When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. We're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the great folks at Lakerholics.com, and of course, our good friends at the Hoopheads Podcast Network that help get the word out on social media about all the great things that happen right here at the Lakers Fast Break. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, I'll tell you what, Laker Tom brought it up this week in his article, so hopefully you will get a chance to check it out this week in regards to all the great stuff that he's writing about at Lakerholics.com. And one of the things that he is writing about this week is about the starting line and what's going on there. And one of the things that was talked about and in the news, a possible rumor that happened, was during the Chicago Draft Combine recently, just before the draft, and we were checking out the draft prospects and things of that nature. Rich Paul, the guy, the mastermind behind Clutch, Possibly Adele's boyfriend. We don't know for sure, but we've seen together during the playoffs. We'll have to wait and see what the uh, tabloids will say about that. But he was there, and supposedly he indicated that his clients, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, were more willing this upcoming season to not only play a more substantial amount, but possibly even start during the regular season at the four and the five. And this brings a lot of great news, hopefully, to a lot of Lakers fans out there, including all of us here at the Laker Hawks, because we have said ad nauseum, because I think at this point in time, it's ad nauseum about how <laughs> LeBron should be at the four and should be at the five. So we're going to talk about the possibility of that happening and the reality of it, if it's going to be a given, because... Training camp is less than two weeks away. We're right around the corner. We'll also be talking about if AD's out of the game or if AD is injured or whatnot. What if LeBron starts at the five or plays a substantial amount at the five? We'll talk about that option as well coming up. But first up, it is the man who wrote that article 
and also many more articles at Lakerholics.com. Please be part of the great conversations they have there today, including a post that I put up there that has been supported by Laker Tom, Magic Man, and Benjamin Sweet, as we know him, Mr. Jamie Sweet. And that is right now something we talked about on this show before, and that's the top 10 all-time Lakers. You can post your all-time top 10 Lakers on Lakerholics.com right now. But the mastermind behind it all is Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, you mentioned about the possibility of these starting lineups happening. I know the wings and the guards, that's something we always talk about as a possibility there because there are several candidates who could you know, line up for that. I know we have a little bit of difference there, but it's not, you know, like, oh, I got to, this person's got to be here. This person's got to be there. I think it ultimately comes down to the four and the five. And I'm still firmly convinced that by the time the season rolls around, that we are going to go back to the default of a center, traditional, DeAndre Jordan. And believe me, I know you're shaking your head now. And believe me, as we talked about before we went on the show, I would love to be wrong, but I, I have to see it to believe it. So I want to hear your thoughts, the Laker optimist that you are, on what ultimately will happen once the season starts. Well, thanks, Gerald. Listen, I can't. Yeah, well, I, can't, I, just mention, I can't. I just wait. Hold on. I just want to mention that I got it under the timeline of five minutes that you put on the outline. Okay, excellent. Um, <laughs> listen, I can't. I can't blame you for doubting it because I've been calling for this move for two years, and uh, and I've been and, the one that's hearing it. And I've written probably half a dozen articles at least on. The and whole. I've been the one that's been reading it. <laughs> But I think, but I think that there's a there's a reality that that really seems to be taking place, and it and it makes sense when you look at it. I think it all starts first with the meeting that they had at LeBron's house between LeBron, Anthony, and Russell, and the big topic of subject there was, you know, what if the Lakers traded for Russ? How would that fit? How would they blend together in the starting lineup? And basically, the my understanding from everything I've heard reported from that meeting was that. Both LeBron and AD agreed to slide down to the four and five in order to make room for shooters to play the two and three while Russ plays the one. The goal of that move is twofold. Number one, it's it's to reduce the load on 36-year-old, soon-to-be 37-year-old LeBron James and get him out of having to play point guard. And secondly, get him closer to the basket where he can do his damage. We saw during the regular season last year, especially when AD was out, there were some occasions when they played LeBron in the post, and he was unstoppable, man. When they get the ball to him down low, it's it's going to be free throws or an, or a dunk or an open shot from somebody on the perimeter. So I think that, that that's what really turns this whole thing in, that it's not just AD moving to the five, but it's LeBron moving to the four and AD moving to the five. Which is, if you remember, the formula that we had that was really the heart of our defense and offense in the playoffs to win the bubble championship. So the question is, first, of why would they do this? It's because Russell Westbrook changes everything. You cannot put a, a guy who shoots worse than, than LeBron and AD from threes, and you got three guys in the lineup, and you can't put a fourth guy like Dwight Howard or or DeAndre Jordan in there, because then you're left with just one shooter. That's just not going to work in the modern NBA. 
So the whole thing just comes along perfectly timed and everything, because I think also it's, there are a lot of benefits that you get from having a third superstar. And, and one of those benefits is being able to roll those three guys out to start a game and to fit or to start a game or half and to finish a game or half. And then you've got a decision. Okay. You've got in, in my scenario, if we, if this really happens and I believe it's going to happen, I think the, the final period on the whole situation was Rich Paul coming out and telling everybody at the, at the Chicago combine that, Hey, LeBron's going to play the four and he's going to play the five. Um, and it, it really makes sense because we've got six three point shooters now on this roster who shoot better from three than LeBron or AD. And so it's time now for our three superstars, Westbrook, James and Davis to start scoring from inside and start scoring at the rim because there are three guys that can put pressure on the rim like almost nobody else in the league. And let's let the three-point shooting come from the guys that we signed, from the Ellingtons, from, from the Monks, and, and, and all of those guys who really are excellent three-point shooters. Four of them are averaging over four and a half threes a game. And so I think it makes total sense to make this kind of move. And it sets up, it sets up all the other lineups that you want to have going in as you go into the game. The closing lineup is a, is a perfect example because the closing lineup basically is going to be the same. They're going to have Westbrook, James, and Davis in the closing lineup. But instead of two shooters, what we need in the closing lineup are probably our best two wing defenders, which are Baysmore and uh, Baysmore and Ariza. And so all of a sudden, you've got to switch everything lineup at the end that can close and can do all of this switching, which avoids all of those questions about how do you handle the pick and rolls and who's going to do the drop coverage or are we going to uh, press them, are we going to double them and so forth. It gives us a lineup where we've got five guys who can defend multiple positions and switch. So it, it all starts with Westbrook coming to LeBron and AD saying, how does this work? And LeBron and AD making the decision that they'll make a bigger adjustment than Russ really has to make in order for the Lakers to put out the best version of themselves on the court. Well, I think it is six. Yeah, if you include Rajon Rondo, who statistically did shoot better, which I think you are, Yep. Then this six individuals. <laughs> Although that's kind of, you know, regular season Rondo. I mean, yeah, but we've got six, you got five guys that are all five guys that are yeah, 38 or better three point yeah. shooters plus 35% for Ariza. And then Rondo, Rondo even shot well again when he played for the Clippers. I was actually surprised. Well, that's the playoffs. Yeah, 37 and a half percent. That's yeah. what I mean. Playoff Rondo um, shoots better. Playoff then, Rondo is a better three-point shooter than than regular season Rondo. I think yeah. we can all agree upon that's that. Not even, that's not even close. Right. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at the roster, what did we add? We added two good wing defenders. We added Dwight Howard, who I think is going to be extremely important because there's going to be one lineup, you know, where Howard is going to be playing center because you're not going to have AD play it all the time. I think there's going to be one lineup where you're going to have LeBron at center. I could see LeBron with – you could take that starting lineup and just, you know, just put Rondo in there instead of what Russ and have LeBron play the five instead of a, an AD play the four. And all of a sudden you've got a great lineup there that, that can kill people. So I'm really happy about the moves. Uh, I think it, I think a lot of it also is time that the Lakers got overexcited after the bubble championship and then got made. You some got mistakes. overexcited after the bubble. I, I definitely did. Gerald, I listen. I've never, I've never tried to duck being wrong. I, and most of the time when, 
when I have criticism of the Lakers, I would actually rather be wrong than right. Um, but uh, I think they've done a great job. We've added tremendous playmaking in Westbrook and uh, and uh, Rondo. We've added tremendous shooting uh, with the six guys that we've added in there. We've got a couple of good defenders. We brought Howard in. Hopefully, LeBron and AD are going to be healthy and, and moving forward. I think that they can finish first in the West. They can finish first in the NBA. I think they can win 65 to 70 games. Um, and this is going to be one of the most exciting Lakers teams that we've ever seen. It's Showtime 2.0. You heard that here first. He did mention it to me off air, and I thought he was smoking something. So I just wanted to make sure that he's actually on the air. I mean, this what is time is team. it Friday night? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Again, again, this is coming from this older team that is going to have some rest and uh, I said 55, I said 55, which is around where Las Vegas has it. And I'd say 55 just because the rest factor and the things that, you know, there's little well, the West injuries is stacked too. Yeah. I, and the, well, the West, I think it's more even this year. I think East, a lot of people are pointing to the East as having some really good teams and actually that the East for the first time in a long time could have an advantage as far as overall, I just think it's stacked. I think there's 20 teams that can realistically count the playoffs as something that's a realistic goal, at least 20, maybe even 22 to 24, you know, that, that can go ahead and do it. But I really think that this time that it's going to be very competitive, but I think the East and West, if you want to give a slight edge, I'd say just because of the fact that they've won the championship in the East, let's go with the East a little bit stronger. But I think right now, both the East and West have several candidates to go a long way in the playoffs. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But here today to talk about where the Lakers stand as far as their starting lineup is concerned. It's a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing. And he's doing a lot at Lakerholics.com. It is our historian and the man who the, just petitioned the NBA to say, hey, I want to go ahead and give off the 75-player deal for the best 75 players in the 75 years. Why are you letting other people pick it? Let me pick it. But I don't think he got the call back from Adam Silver anyways. <laughs> but he can always do it on Lakerholics.com. It is Mr. Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man. And Magic Man, great to have you back on the program as always. Again, I truly appreciate everything that you bring to the team and everything that you bring to Lakerholics.com. And thank you so much for updating everything that's going on there, especially the posts that I put on with the top 10 all-time Lakers. But I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, as our historian. You know better than anybody as far as what kind of things and changes that need to be made, especially in the starting lineup. What do you foresee, at least early on with the Lakers, as far as the starting lineup is concerned? I'm thinking myself that they will not showcase that 4-5 LeBron-AD matchup right away. I really think that they're going to go ahead with the traditional, let's make Laker Tom angry 
and go ahead and start DeAndre Jordan. Oh. Personal thoughts. <laughs> I really don't like I really don't like that myself, but I want to hear your thoughts on what they're gonna do for a starting lineup. I don't like it either, Gerald. It's, but it's, you're the historian and you've seen the history, especially with Frank Vogel, how that you know he loves his seven foot centers. Absolutely, he does. He um above all things, he would he would rather start a seven foot center that will slug it out in the post rather than somebody like Tom and you have uh, eloquently said needs to shoot. So it opens up room for everybody else. I really believe, Gerald, that in order for this situation to truly work, somebody has to sacrifice a lot of their usage rate for the betterment of the team. Now, historically, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar leads the NBA in points with over 38,000 plus. If you correlate his points with his usage rate, you'd find something very interesting. While he is the number one scorer all time, he's also the 122nd player all time in usage rate. That's an incredible statistic when you really think about his efficiency. It, 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 if you really sat down and thought about that, it would blow your mind. So can the Lakers find a way to reduce LeBron's usage rate while also maintaining Russ's usage rate? That's going to be the difficulty, Gerald. It, it's, it's almost trying to find a needle in a haystack because in order for LeBron to remain efficient, he would have to shave off either some of his points, some of his rebounds, or some of his assists while still maintaining a positive net rating on the court. I think, like we talked about earlier, I think this is going to take some time. I really don't think we'll start, like you said, I really don't think we'll start seeing the fruits of LeBron at the four and AD at the five until maybe February when we'll, we'll start to see certain things come what's the expression I'm looking for kind of like when the smoke clears I think we will end up seeing LeBron at the 4 and 80 at the 5 but like you said Gerald I think for the first 6 to 8 weeks Frank Vogel is just going to fall into bad habits bad habits I'm just like, like I said I'm just going off of what I've seen and I would love to have something surprise me and be something new because I think ultimately that if the Lakers are going to go ahead and be on top, AD has to play at an MVP level. I really yes. think that AD has to be the key to this entire season. LeBron is going to be LeBron. He's going to give you everything that he can to be right there as one of the top 10 players in the game. But when AD is playing like one of the top 10 players in the game, there's nobody that can match up with the Lakers. And I'm going to admit that right now. But the problem is, is that the Lakers – continuously find ways with injuries or lineup changes or just basically through stubbornness want to go ahead and not put out the best five for the best amount of minutes possible. And this irritates Laker Tom for years. But, you know, before I get back to you, Laker Tom, on the scenario that you just mentioned earlier about LeBron at the five, before we go back to him, your thoughts on possibly LeBron seeing quite a bit at the five because LeBron surrounded by Russ and three shooters while AD's out. That's very intriguing, and that could be a very 
big possibility at certain points in the season. Absolutely. I think you're right. I could. I think that could be kind of a, a very vicious lineup to defend. I'd be interested in what LeBron's feelings are about that playing, you know, anywhere from maybe eight to 12 minutes at the five. Um, that'd be interesting. I don't think he'd be necessarily against it, especially with your scenario, Gerald, with him, three shooters plus Russ. I think that I think that'd be an interesting play. I'm not so sure you'd have to basically work Vogel for a few weeks, maybe even a few months, to try and convince him that 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 sort of lineup would work. I'm not sure if he, he if he'd be open to the idea as much as LeBron would. Well, I'm hoping that he will open up because I am not convinced that we're going to find the same success with both centers like we did before in the, the bubble year. And I don't think that we're going to be able to find that same kind of just, I mean, it just seemed to gel so right, not only yeah. on the offensive end with them being available for lobs and dunks, literally right and left, but also from the defensive end where they were all competing for block shots and the Lakers were leading the league in block shots. Statistically, when you look at it from a standpoint of on the roster in black and white, you should be seeing the Lakers as a team that's going to be at or near the top of the block shot list. I'm not so convinced because I don't know where DeAndre Jordan is as a player. I really am concerned that if Brooklyn dumped him like they did, that we're getting just goods that are, even though he's on the younger side of the thirties, that maybe he's just, you know, it just, it, cause it, not everybody grows old gracefully. Let's just put it that way. So maybe he doesn't have the same kind of athleticism that he does before, but I don't know. I'm just interested to see what happens, but Laker Tom put it out there. I'm, I'm, really liking the fact that LeBron could, could see a possibility of playing substantial minutes at the five and Laker Tom, if that's the case and you throw LeBron at the five and AD sitting on the bench for that, what magic man said, eight to 12 minutes a game, who would you like to see paired up with him? I think there's some obvious, some obvious combinations that make sense. Let me sort before I even get into that, I, I just wanted to make some mention on, on the Dwight Howard thing, because I was one of the people who, was not a big fan of Dwight's last year. Um, really? I, I just wouldn't have never known. <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard for me to root for somebody to replace Anthony Davis as the center on the Lakers. But I think one of the things that we really missed last this past season that we had in the championship year was a rim protector on defense when Anthony Davis was out of the game and a dunk threat on offense when Anthony Davis was out of the game. Obviously, Montrezl Harrell and Marcus Gasol did not fit either of those needs. And I saw how much. And I would be more than happy to fill those. I would fill those needs, but the other side of it is, you don't even have a, a stretch five that you're putting in there as the sacrifice that you made in order to to give up all of this rim protection and vertical attack. You know, so I think that I think that one of the things the Lakers are planning to do is that there are. Besides the starting lineup and the closing lineup, you need two other lineups that basically fill that middle of the the middle of the first half and the middle of the second half between the starting and closing lineups. One of those lineups is going to be obviously the lineup without LeBron. Okay, so that lineup's probably the, one of the keys to our success 
since that's the one lineup that we have not been able to have a positive net rating for in the two years that LeBron's been here. We lose the minutes on the floor when LeBron is on the bench. So one of those lineups is going to be that lineup. And, and then you're basically going to put your other two superstars out there to make sure that lineup gets positive. And you're probably going to throw run, you know, you're going to, you're going to really have shooters in there. That leaves you then with one open spot, which to me for the lineups is the lineup with LeBron at the five. What I like with that is Carmelo at the four. I love Rondo at the one, since you don't want it, since you're going to use Russ uh, on the other off off primetime lineup. I'd like to see Monk and Horton Taylor in there, primarily because you're, you're trying to give everybody a chance. And, and the problem that the Lakers, we played an 11 man rotation last year. That was fortunately something that was a doable because of injuries, because of, of the lineup situations and so forth. But it's not something that you really is very efficient. So I think we start off playing 13 players, the 13 guys who've shown that they really belong on this team. And there'll be a lot of competition, especially for the, for the two and the three spots. And we've got two guys that can really play the three well besides LeBron who might get some minutes there, but I think he's going to play four mostly. Um, I think we want to get our big stars to be the guys next to the rim. For example, if you have Russ Book driving for a layup, I don't even care if he makes the layup. If you got LeBron and AD at the four and five, the rebounding is going to be dynamite at that situation. I care if he doesn't make the layup. Listen, some of the best, easiest points you get in the game are when somebody beats gets to the rim and puts the ball up off of the backboard because they've got the shot blocker occupied and you got two guys coming in to clean it up. Well, that's why um, they don't foul him because he's not the greatest free throw shooter in the world. Yep. Who's not the greatest free throw shooter in the world? Russell, Russell Westbrook. I will say one thing that everybody needs to realize that. You notice how we said 13, let me Wait, let me finish. In 13 <laughs> seasons, in 13 seasons, the last three seasons, Russ has not shot well. In the 10 seasons before that, he shot 81% from the free throw line. So this well, is a I, fixable uh, problem that he's had in the last two years. He's only had two years where he shot under 70%, 65, 73, and 65 the last three years. And it's because he got he was in situations where he had to do too much. In fact, you could see that he shot 35% from three-point land in the first half of games in the season. It's the second half and the third quarter, fourth quarter especially, where he has been forced to press and do more that he won't have to do with the Lakers because of LeBron and AD. So if he just plays within his own capacity and doesn't overdo it and doesn't press going down, I think we'll be fine in that sense. But LeBron at the five is, you know, we saw that last year that you – here's the thing that is the biggest thing about this whole move that everybody forgets. It's it's not just a reshuffling of players in different positions and, and it doesn't have any meaning because it has such a dramatic impact on the offense and the defense. Offensively, imagine a five out with LeBron, AD, <laughs> AD and, and Russ, and let's say you've got two shooters there, Ellington and Ellington and, and Nunn, for example, and you play them five out, how are they going to stop you from getting to the rim? It's totally the offense that we need to go into the games with. By the same token, if you go and 
throw and pull out your tooth, pull out Ellington and Nunn for the fourth quarter and put in uh, Ariza and uh, Bavemore, and all of a sudden you've got a five out that can switch on everybody. They can switch on every single player. Are you want to pick and roll against them? There's no figuring it out. You just switch, and you've got it under control. You're not going to get killed on the pick and roll, and you're basically going to eliminate all of these teams whose offense is based upon running picks and rolls because you'll have five guys, every one of them six four or bigger, who is an excellent defender. And you've got two centers in LeBron and AD who can guard five positions. That's why we won the championship. We are replicating the championship lineup that we had in the bubble, and we are moving to a five-out type of offense. Now, all of that seems, is that too much for Frank Bogle to handle? You have to remember who makes the real decisions on these NBA teams. It's not really the coach. It's not really the general manager. It's really LeBron James and the superstars on this team. If LeBron and AD and Russ, they would not have made that trade for Russell Westbrook had not LeBron and AD agreed to it. And LeBron and AD weren't agreeing to it unless they were going to do a certain strategy in order to solve the shooting problem that had left them forced actually LeBron and AD to take too many long twos and threes during the season because they couldn't get to the rim. So it all logically is falling together. I don't think there's a question in my mind at all that on starting day, you're going to see Russell Westbrook at the one, LeBron James at the four, and Anthony Davis finally at the five. I also happen to think that Anthony Davis has thought a lot about how his last year ended. And I think that He's also thought a lot about what he really wants out of himself as a player. Is he going to be one of those guys who's got a ring and satisfied? Hey, I'm 28. I got my ring. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be CB3 looking for that ring at this point in my career. James Harden. Yeah, uh, James Harden looking for it and so forth. Instead, he's got his ring. Now the question is, does he want more? That's really the question that he has to answer for the Lakers team and for the Lakers fans. I think he's going to come in and have a tremendous year. I think LeBron's going to be up there among the leading scorers in the league. And I think his focus the next three years is going to be to become, to overcome Kareem and win that scoring national, that championship for the most points ever scored. I think Russ is going to be terrific. I think he'll score a little less, but I still think he'll get the same rebounds and the same assists that he got. I do think he will shoot fewer threes. I think LeBron will shoot fewer threes. I think AD will shoot fewer threes. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. 
Well, let me ask you this before we go ahead and turn over to Sean real quick. So you mentioned some of the three parts of the equation here. What are you throwing out there as a starting lineup at the beginning of the season? The starting lineup is Russ at one, actually none at the two, Ellington at the three. I'm going with three guards and LeBron and AD at the four and five. My closing lineup is the same three superstars, but with Ariza and and, and Bazemore instead of Ellington and Nunn. I think my lineup without LeBron or with LeBron at the five is probably Rondo, Monk, Horton Taylor, and Carmelo Anthony, and LeBron James. And then I have also the lineup that is LeBron on the bench. I have that lineup basically being the same as a starting lineup, except Dwight Howard replaces LeBron James and AD slides to the four and plays with Howard in a Twin Towers. Okay, Sean, got you right now queued up. You heard Mr. Laker Tom. Now it's up to you, my friend. What do you think is going to be the Lakers' starting lineup come the beginning of the season? Well, Gerald, I, I would love it if that was the lineup that Tom Tom had because I'm in line with, with Tom as well. I think I've said that before. I think defensive in the so in the last two minutes I think Vogel has more options at this point than he did previously. I think you could switch out, for example, you might have Ellington and Nunn offensively, and then you'd switch out them for Basemore and Ariza defensively. I think that that would could also be an option as well. One of the problems I noticed, and I'm not sure if either of you two gentlemen did as well, was that coaches understood Vogel's schemes, and more more to the point, they understood his rotations almost to a T. So it would be easy to kind of negotiate your way through the through the fourth quarter, and in the last two minutes, you pretty much know who Vogel's going to put out on the floor. So you match that. You either take an offensive player on the floor on the opposing team that Vogel has on his side that's not as uh, well-equipped to handle that kind of player. Or maybe it's a defensive guard that Vogel doesn't have a match for as well. So in this instance, I think Rob Polinka has done enough to put some more bullets in the gun for Vogel that he has options at the end for what he wants to do. To just piggyback off what Tom said, what I think what a lot of Laker fans are asking Russell Westbrook to do to be this ultra efficient facilitator is going to take time, and it may not it may not fully fully bloom as as Laker fans want. If Russ were to average twelve assists per game. 12 assists per game is pretty much the gold standard for a facilitator. If you've averaged 12 assists per game in your career, you're a Hall of Fame point guard. You likely have over 10,000 assists in your career. Russ isn't there yet. He's a really great facilitator. But as Gerald has pointed out before, he struggles from the line. He also, you know... Can he play a full 82-game season? I don't think so. I think I think realistically you're looking at him playing between 65 to 70 games if you can keep him in that range, fully healthy for the playoffs. 
in the annals of, of NBA history, only 10 players have averaged more than 12 assists per game. It's been done 10 times. John Stockton did it eight times. The only two other players who've been able to accomplish that feat is Kevin Porter, who once played for the Detroit Pistons 50 years ago. And the other player, care to guess, gentlemen? I'm not guessing. Okay, it's it's not Magic Johnson. Any thoughts, Laker Tom? Any thoughts, Tom? This is the other player who averaged over 12? He aver- he, so Steve he, Nash? Isaiah Thomas. Detroit Pistons. I know Westbrook's season was like the second best, I think, of the second number, highest, most assists of any player. So that must have been the top one then that Isaiah had. Yeah, well, there have only been, there have only been 10 players who've been Mm. able to get over a um, a thousand assists in Mm. a season. Stockton did it eight times. Porter and Thomas did it did it once each magic and James Harden have been very close, but they haven't gotten there. So how many points, what would you be sad? So let's say that Russ would get 12 assists and 10 rebounds. How many points do you think you need from him? If he's averaging 12 assists per game, I'd be very surprised if he was averaging anything more than 17, 18 points a game. That sounds like a good number. LeBron and AD and 25 and Russ around around 15 to 17. I think that's, I think that's efficiency working for everybody, man. That if, if those numbers bowl out that way, I think that's, that's the Lakers at their peak. And if that's the case, I don't think anybody beats us. I look back and Dennis used like 25%, 22 to 25% usage rate. And I think Russ will have a, a higher usage rate than Dennis did but I think that it's the targets that he's got to pass the ball to when he attacks the rim. He's going to have shooters out there. He's going to have two other superstars that he can basically throw lob dunks to, plus Dwight who can throw lobs. I mean, Wes has always been great at developing uh, a relationship with a big when he attacks the rim. And then on top of that, he's, he's, he still has hops like nobody else in the guards. There's, not a more physical guard. You, you just got to get him to. I was listening to uh, Sirius XM and they were talking about what happens, the difference between, let's say, having Alex Caruso defending as part of your team defense versus Russell Westbrook. Russ is going to make more steals. He's going to be a better on ball defender. But where it all falls apart is what you want on defense is you want that 22 seconds of perfect rotations to force somebody to take a tough shot at the end under, under pressure of the shot clock. And for every, for every steal you get or every deflection you get or block shots you get, there are 10 of these other types of possessions that you have got to make somebody go. So Russ, THT, those are the two guys of all of the defenders, and probably you can probably throw Nunn and Ellington in there. There's are guys that are basically, it's not part of their forte to do that type in order to make your defense really work on a string the way that it does in the playoffs. And so I think that's why you're going to see a lot of switching. And I, and I think even you could see games where we'd start Dwight if it was against 
let's say it's against uh, Jokic, Jokic or it's against uh, Embiid. You, why not start Dwight? Um, there may be other games where the matchups are such that you decide, hey, I'm going to start the two. I'm going to start Ariza and Bazemore because I need defense against this particular team more than I need offense. And Bazemore, and you know, they're they're both efficient three point shooters. They're not as volume three point shooters as Ellington and Nunn, but they can put the ball. You know, they they have gravity out behind the three point line. And then also, there's I don't think you see Frank do things differently than he's done in the past. Some guy is smoking hot during the game. You can bet he's going to get a shot. He's going to get a chance to finish the game up. Um, I happen to feel that we're going to get a lot of load management simply because we have, number one, three superstars, which means you can always give a superstar a day off when he needs it. Secondly, you've got a deep bench of 13 players that actually really deserve playing time. And probably by the end of the season, we're going to narrow that down to 10 or 11. So you got opportunities to give those guys rests too. And then lastly, I probably disagree with Gerald and, and, and you, Sean, about the competition in the West, because there's a couple of teams that are hurting. The Clippers, who would be our normal biggest competition, may not have their best player, Kawhi, for the entire season. You've got other injured players, you know, that are sitting out there that are going to affect teams like the Jazz. And so I think the Lakers have a good chance to swarm through the regular season. And it's sort of the last thing that I think is kind of important to notice. Everybody is, I keep hearing this and I've been hearing this for two years. Let's just eat up minutes at center in the regular season and we'll switch over to playing AD at the five and LeBron at the four in the playoffs. Does anybody see the, dichotomy and, and the, the ridiculousness of that whole thing. The regular season is the practice season. That's where you figure things out. That's where you get all of the ins and outs and the details and the fine tuning done. So you know how to, how to use this type of defense and offense, a small ball offense and defense that we're putting, you know how to use it against every type of lineup that's out there. What are you going to do against the Embiid's? What are you going to do against the Jokic's? What are you going to do against the teams that like the Warriors who have got great three-point shooting and so forth? So you make adjustments and you play the way you figure out exactly what your strengths are during the regular season by playing the same way. Now, the Lakers tried to do that last year because what they didn't want to do is they used to have a, the, they used to have a drop coverage in the championship year when they had Dwight and, and JaVale, because those guys can't get out to the perimeter to defend. So you can't, you can't trap with them and so forth. And so they played that type of thing, and then, and then they made a switch in the playoffs. And they were fortunately lucky to make that switch and have it work. But everybody forgets that they also had LeBron James and Anthony Davis shoot 40% from three, which they did not do during the regular season last year or in the championship year. They both were just red hot from outside. So you, you've got to take a look at where you really stand in relation to the other teams. The Brooklyn Nets are the heavy favorites of everybody to win because they have three superstars and all three are outstanding three-point shooters. We have three superstars who are better playmakers, better defenders, but they ain't better shooters. Tom, can I ask you a question? Real quick, because we're going to yeah. head on out here real quick. Sure. So. Tom, have you seen pictures of Nikola Jokic lately? 
Yeah, he looks like he's lost weight, like everybody else does during the summer. Well, he he also looks like he's put on about twenty pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. So to me, that suggests that an MVP player is coming back stronger, smarter, and hungrier. And, and with less help than the Lakers have. Well, you know something? I live near Brampton, and I can tell you very much that Jamal Murray is out and about, and he looks to me like he's moving just fine. Hmm. Now, <laughs> in six months or so, I don't want Laker fans going on Twitter or social media and saying, oh, well, you know what? We didn't have much competition this year, but it looks like Denver's rolling into full form. And let me tell you something. You're right, Tom. A, a team shouldn't be looking at themselves in the mirror going into the playoffs saying, oh, well, yeah, well, you know what? We've played this style. We'll just but, flip the switch. Yeah, we'll just play this. It doesn't work like that. You need practice. You need continuity. And it takes uh, everybody, like Tom said, on a string, doing it together. I I happen to think the West is still stacked. I think, look, the clip the Clippers may surprise people. They may even surprise me. I think they're a playing team right now. But they could very well, you know, if they play a bump. That bad? You think they'll drop that far? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, and they got some impressive play from from a couple of guys that you never expected it from. Reggie, Reggie played tremendous, and and uh, right. uh, yeah, I'm just I'm not expecting I'm not expecting man to play like man. man, yeah, man was just amazing. Yeah, I don't expect him to play like a man possessed this year, though. Yeah, but boy, those those two guys were talk about a couple of guys off the scrap heaps. I mean, I wish we'd gotten them instead of Macklemore and, uh, <laughs> and and Drummond. You know, I mean, it, it was quite a contrast there. I'm looking at the teams that really can compete with a team like the Lakers that are have three superstars. And if you if you narrow that down, I don't see anybody in the West that can compete with that. I do think that the Clippers, if Kawhi came back healthy, would be the biggest challenge. I just don't expect Kawhi to be able to come back that soon, you know, and so forth. The Jazz. And the Nuggets, you know, they're good. They're good teams, but they're they're teams that the Lakers would handle in five or six games. I think the two teams that I worry about are Milwaukee, because I do think that Giannis Giannis has figured out what Ben Simmons couldn't, mm. which, is, which is you know, hey, okay, so I'm a bad free throw shooter, and so I can't really be counted on to hit threes. I'm going to attack anyway. But but you know what? That's not going to stop me from shooting. And uh, and then obviously, you know, man, you just got to be afraid of the Nets. Those are three guys that can put the ball. Three guys who can put forty points on you. Four. They have four yeah. now. Yeah. Patty Mills can put up forty. Patty, I, I wanted Patty Mills for the Lakers. You know, I think we all did. I think that yeah. would have been a, a difference maker for the team. But again, these are things. But well, you know, I, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't have taken playoff Rondo. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, I it's. Patty can shoot and he can score, but he ain't the playmaker that Rondo is. Again, we'll go ahead and discuss that in further detail in upcoming episodes and shows on exactly where we think the NBA will stand as far as the projections are concerned. I think that's a better conversation for another day than another show and another program right here at the Lakers Fast Break. 
if you have any questions for us, please just hit us up at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. Right now, I want to go ahead and mention before we head on out that Magic Man Sean Grice has got a ton of great stuff that he's pointing out there at Lakerholics.com. And of course, Laker Tom has got a ton of great articles as well. He's creating new articles all the time. Please follow him at Lakers Fast Break for me and at Laker Tom for him. But before we end on out, Mr. Magic Man, I know you had some Instagrams that you wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to because you've become Mr. Instagram Man in your time off. Absolutely, Gerald. I'm looking to uh, build this platform along with Tom and be the best and most efficient Lakers site that we can be. If you want to catch us on IG, that's uh, Lakerholics. And hit us up. Please subscribe. I've also got a personal YouTube and IG channel. It's called Put A Little Mustard channel. I'm hoping to upload as many videos as I can this weekend so we can bump start our uh, new platforms. Thank you very much, Gerald. Oh, no problem. And then also you can go ahead and follow us, Lakers Fast Break, on Facebook. And then Lakerholics, they're a great group on Facebook as well. So go ahead and check out what we do each and every time out at Lakerholics, wherever you get your social media. Also as well, Instagram, YouTube, and so much more. So please catch Go ahead, put a little mustard on it right here at Lakers Fast Break and Lakerholics. Once again, want to go ahead and thank everybody for listening and watching here. Check us out again upcoming in the upcoming days as we get closer to training camp. The Lakers are coming soon to go ahead and get out there on the training camp as soon as it happens. But we've got more great shows lined up next week. I've got more great interviews with team fans and their thoughts on not only their teams around the NBA, but also what do they think of the Lakers as well. So that'll be some great interviews. And, of course, the Lakerholics will always return. And there's going to be more great stuff indeed for you down the line out there listening because we're doing all that we can to support our Lakers right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.